Thank you. Are you ready? Yes, yes I am ready. Yes. <laughs> Good. Um, maybe I would like to start, I can start with a testimony as well. Some were asking me, I've never heard of your testimony. Yeah. Um, I was 27, living in Mombasa, a coastal uh, town in Kenya. I had done a lot compared to my age, but I had not drunk so too much. I had just tested a little bit here and there. I was not a smoker as well, but I, I, I had tested nearly all things that young people can taste, you know. And my mom had brought me, had brought us up from um, the whole family. She was a, a pious lady, very much committed to uh, prayer, and um, she wanted to be really a good example. I remember in our village, people thought that if there's any lady who would uh, go to heaven, it would be my mom. So uh, she was really, according to the standards that uh, were there, she was righteous. And so this time, uh, away from my mom, having gone through school life, uh, I had also been, um, you know, led into many things about uh, religion and about salvation. I had done, I had been baptized by full immersion. I had been led to a prayer of repentance. I had done all sorts of things. Yet, um, I wanted to go and listen to every international preacher, whoever came from anywhere. I, wa- I thought when I go there, I would get something. I, I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be like, um, you know, when I speak something, uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, things start happening, people falling over, all that kind of thing. So I was really looking forward to such things. <laughs> and so, you know what? Uh, that made me to move and go from one place to another. And I read books about, you know, how to be powerful and that kind of thing. But eventually, uh, I thought, no, it is not working. And then I sat down. I, I didn't want to go anywhere. So at that time is when I met a small group of uh, people seated somewhere, and they were very excited. They were talking about being born again, which did not have any effect on me in the first place. I just thought, oh, this just... And there was a white, white man there from Australia. And so I thought, oh, this is just another crazy white, white man. So, <laughs> so they were excited. <laughs> But I just looked at them, I watched them, and I went home. Next day, I came. I took the brochures that they had. I went, sat down, and read them. And I followed the Bible. So I used to go there in that group. I knew most of them. Uh, so one thing that struck me is that uh, there was a dramatic change in them. They seemed to know the Bible very well, yet they had not been there for a long time. It was very different from the way I knew them. So I, I started trying to investigate. Have they been given anything, or what, what's, what's this? Who has doctrinated them that they, they are so smart, knowing the scripture? So the more I followed them every day, the more I was convinced that what they are talking about is true. And then I, but I wanted to impress them. So I would go, look for somewhere else, so that when I come, I beat them. The more I did this, the more I found that I'm just foolish. I don't know what I'm doing. What they have is special. So I didn't, I didn't want to accept. And one thing I told them, because they were talking about me going back to the waters of baptism. 
So one thing I told them, no, never, never, not me. So they went to an extent where they thought, yes, I'm very undermined, very stubborn. So I watched and I witnessed for some days people getting uh, baptized, people being filled with the Holy Spirit there, and I would watch them. When they are praying with the people, hallelujah, hallelujah, I would come and watch. (laughs) And I would find that uh, it is very different. Because some would come, "Ah, they are told, please control yourself. This is serious. Let us pray. Just say hallelujah. And some would say, no, let us pray. Just say hallelujah. And all of a sudden, I would find that person is kind of surprised that all of a sudden he starts speaking. And then he's, oh, what was that? I felt some power come within myself. My lips were moving, and I didn't know what I was saying. And they were like, oh, it is so good, so refreshing. So I found um, some people are very genuine, and when the moment they open their mind and their, their heart, God fills them with the Holy Spirit, with this Holy Spirit. But there are others who are pretending, and it takes time. So it came to a time when I thought, oh, I must be one of those who want to pretend. <laughs> so shall I pretend? Shall I keep on competing and, and argue with these people? Yet what they are talking about, what they are reading, is the Bible. That's the word of God. Who am I? So as I was thinking about this, I went home on my own. I remember the leader then one day came and said, you, you have been here, you know, coming and staying here with us. You're not doing anything. Sit down here. He took the Bible, gave it, gave it to me, said, now ask all the questions. And if your questions are answered and you're not doing anything, you go never to come here. He was a former policeman. But then I did not take it seriously. I just loved, <laughs> said this man. But eventually, when I came, that I needed such a person. I needed such a man. So that made me to be humble. I humbled myself. But I went home, and I said, now, from today, maybe I'll not be able to eat anything until I receive the Holy Spirit. Because I've now come to know it is true. I've never received the Holy Spirit. It is true. So I went into my own room and I was praying there. I knelt down and I said, oh God, up to maybe tomorrow, the next day. I didn't know when until I received the Holy Spirit. I would pray. So as I was praying, within a few minutes, I fell asleep. And you know what? As I was kneeling down and I was there, and I, I fell asleep. Next moment... I felt myself from there that my lips, I woke up, my lips were vibrating and the tongue was moving and I was speaking in tongues. <laughs> and then I, oh, that is what I've been expecting. But it didn't come when I was expecting it. I was, I was fearing because I had been told many, many things. How I had been told that when the spirit comes, I will fall over, my, my hair will stand on hand. And I will feel a lot of well, warmth, I, all sorts of things. So I didn't know what actually do I expect. But I said, God, you know. So that is how I received the Holy Spirit. Next morning, I went to them. And I said to them, now I know it is true. And you know what? Yes, I want to be baptized. They, they thought I'm joking. They looked at me, Sammy. We know you. I said, no, I'm serious. I want to be baptized. All through what I've been arguing about, I know it is me who doesn't know. So now, I, you know, I received the Holy Spirit last night. And I'm ready. You show me what I need to do. I will obey. So they prepared some water for me in a tongue. And then I was baptized there. And as I came out of the water, they heard it. I heard it. I was speaking in tongues very well. 
And that was the beginning of a new life. Amen. Uh, within very few days, I thought of my mom and the way she is. And I prayed for her. I said, my mom should not die before she knows this truth. She has been very faithful, very honest, but she doesn't know how to read. How shall I reach her? So after six months, I went home, and uh, there was the whole village came. Because those six months, the, uh, the, the village had heard about the gospel, a brother had gone there and had baptized about two, three, four people, one of them being my sister-in-law. But my mom, there's no way you could convince her that uh, she needs to be baptized because she had been baptized many, many days ago. And she was a leader wherever she went. And she would, she would have some attire, some clothes and a scarf, which, which shows that she's, uh, she's righteous. So that day, uh, most of you would know Pastor Brian and uh, Bob Hutton. By the way, Bob Hutton is the one who I first met with this group. The one I was saying, I thought, just another crazy white man. <laughs> so they, 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 that day, they drove me home. And before they did that, that brother who had gone there, that was not his home area, but he wanted to go back to Mombasa. So they are talking of me going to the village and look after that small group and stay there, which I objected very much. We hung killed and again, I was very adamant. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to do anything to do with the leadership. I didn't want that. I just wanted to do my own things, but worship God. So they persisted until we went to an extent where we were not seeing eye to eye, and almost we stayed without talking to each other <laughs> because I, was, I, was, I didn't want that. But eventually I thought about life and you know, why I was staying there. I wanted to have my own things. I was doing my own things, but now they are telling me to go to the village and stay there just in the name of preaching the gospel. I thought when I go there, I would rot there. And I was not married. My parents were pushing me into it. I didn't want to go into it. There was, in the village, a lot of uh, things like witchcraft and all that. Uh, I didn't want to go there. I was fearing such people. That was my life. And now I thought, what do I do? Uh, one of the pastors told me, Sami, remember what Jonah did. <laughs> so that haunted me for the rest of the day. I knew what Jonah did. So, but at the end I said, well, what if I die? Let me die. I'll go there. But I'll die while preaching the gospel. If I die, let me die. So that day when we arrived, a lot of people had come. So part of my testimony is just about uh, how I started witnessing miracles. Okay? <laughs> how I started witnessing miracles. And uh, things that I never expected, things that I had never thought about, happened on the very day that we arrived there. I was going to look after a group far from my village. But that particular day, about um, over 50 people were spilled filled. And the following day, uh, we took them to the waters of baptism. So that group was the biggest. It was just in my door, uh, doorstep in, my, in, my, uh, in our area, I mean in our compound. And we had to start a new group there. One of the things that happened that day is that uh, there had been a known witch doctor in the village who was feared because of his... Uh, I know most of you don't know about these things. But I tell you, um, in Africa, 
people threaten and people do things and they kill others out of this. That's why I was fearing. But here, in my testimony, I'm talking about freedom. The way we are freed and the way we can, the way we can be freed. Freedom from anything, any fear, any, uh, any kind of bondage. So, one young man was brought there. Uh, this young man happened to be um, happened to be a nephew to that witch doctor. But in the they they were having their own uh, sanctuary where they used to sacrifice every every year, and they had also to be attended to by other witch doctors from elsewhere, and in their homesteads you would find something there which they had to do some blood every now and then. And I knew that in the, the entire family, it was so superstitious, uh, very, very idolatry, and the people were full of idolatry, yet they were going to these churches. So one woman, mother of a certain boy, who had dropped school from year seven, because the boy was born and brought up and was uh, guided by the spirits that he was destined to become a witch doctor. So he could not go to school. Whenever he went to school and he sat down there, he could not see anything. And they tried to appease the evil spirits and all that, but eventually... The, um, the uncle said he, he cannot go to school. He has to be a witch doctor. So they bought some concussion for him, some clothes and all that. And uh, he had to, in the night, wherever he slept, um, there had to be some light. And that time it is lamps. They had to put on some light and put a lamp there. If they put it off, he could not sleep he would see people coming and struggle him. So he led that kind of life. So this woman came and said, I am a treasurer of such and such a church. Uh, then he asked, I have heard you preaching, and, but I, I want to know, can my son be cured of all this? Can my, my son be freed from this? She explained what kind of life he's leading. Then you said, oh, it is God who delivers. It's God who heals. So we are going to pray with him. Then she said, I remember I asked her, if your son is healed, what are you going to do? She said, I would follow that God. I said, okay, let's pray. We prayed for the son or over the son. And in that week, that particular day, he went home. And he slept very well. Nothing happened. And the second day, the third day, um, I, I, according to them, they said, the third day, there was some disturbance again. So in the following Sunday, he came. And he, he said that uh, he had had good times, slept well. But maybe the fourth day, uh, he started experiencing the same things. Then we sat down with him about... Uh, the essence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit because he was not spirit-filled yet. Uh, he was fearful, and the mother as well. So we baptized him, and he was spirit-filled. He started speaking in tongues, and that was the end of all this. And then he went back to school. Uh, he started again and went up to high school. He's now one of the leaders in the church. That led to the whole family now coming to the Lord. And they were very much anti-gospel. They were fighting against this. Um, by the time they heard about the gospel and the revival fellowship and what's happening, they started associating. Everyone is associating, was associating us with the cult. That's a cult, you know. It's, it's different from all the other churches, you know. They are funny people. They, are, they don't do this. They don't do that. They don't. That kind of thing. So the story went 
across and people were you know afraid of us as some were saying that we are we are we are the devil we are the devil himself and but there are people who had really been um, in serious problems especially that family so there were people who were associated with this man he had uh, two brothers and in each in each in each of these families there had to be one or two witch doctors so it was kind of something inherited because they had to keep on sacrificing all these things and i remember uh this man had three wives and all the children of uh, his wives uh, especially men they could not come closer to us they did not want to listen but two de- uh, two ladies two young ladies came and were baptized they received the holy spirit and i tell you they were tortured very much tortured that uh, because of what they have received but they stood their ground and sometimes they were chased uh, out from house then i mean from they were told to go and sleep outside go to those people you caught revival you did not come here they are deprived of food and every other right and because they were uh, in primary school all they knew is about praying god reading the bible preaching the gospel and god would defend them so a time came now when in the year the witch doctor had to he was gathering all his people in one house and some other mighty witch doctors would come and they call it protection they kind of do a sacrifice and that they partake some things concussion and they are done some things and that is now to protect them against every any evil but these two ladies say to the, the man we are not going to partake this we are not part of this but the man was very strict so he told them i'm not going to argue with you now get in so he pushed them they went inside the house and everyone was there and so they waited for the other mighty witch doctor who came um he came and he assembled his uh, caricature is concussions is things and he was about to start then he said to the man uh, my things they are refusing my spirit that i work with is refusing i cannot do anything there are two ladies here two young ladies here who have got a very powerful spirit and they have to get out so the man asked who are they and when they got in one went on one, uh, one side and the other one on the far hand each one of them was praying in spirit just in a low tone and so he said that one and that one amongst the big family so the man was surprised and he called them by their names he said so and so get out so they got out and and the man said now my spirit can can work it's free so he went on and did all that he had to do then later the man came called the two daughters and said um i'm sure that if you are your spirit or the spirit that is in you is mightier and stronger than the spirit in this man now i've given you to that god i will not again force you to partake or do anything and then he turned to the others saying but i warn you the rest of you nobody should join there except these two let them be going there and i give you god will protect you. your god will protect you so um it took time and i remember when this man because the the rest of the family could not come to the lord they were fearing him but the two ladies went on 
you know, preaching the gospel, praying, and going against all trials. And eventually, it came to a time when the man died. And when he died, um, I remember in the communal thing, they had come to know that we don't discriminate about burying the dead. And because the other churches were saying, let the dead bury their dead. But we would come there, doesn't matter wherever you are, we preach the gospel. We tell them about death and about resurrection. And then we say, this is just a body. And if you don't know anything about him, you say, we are burying the dead. So they called us. They wrote to me, said, come with your church. So we came to the, that big day of burying the famous witch doctor. I was threatened that uh, his things sometimes would jump and hit me and they would speak or do such things, all that. But uh, all that time I remembered when I left Mombasa, I said, if I die, I die. But I knew, I had come to know that the God that I believe in is more powerful than anything in this world. So I was courageous to face every situation there. And I remember uh, there were other pastors and priests and who also came and sat on in the front. But I didn't sit there. I sat amongst the people. And so the chairman said, we are about to start. But they had agreed amongst themselves that this revival is becoming a threat to us. They are separating themselves, but we have to unite in whatever we are doing. So we are going to do this funeral together. So as the chairman called me, one man stood up and said, no, we have agreed that we are going to do it together. My young brother, my older brother was amongst them. So, but he was not in the Lord. He was still fighting. So they said, we have agreed that we will give Sami the last prayer. We, we are going to do the rest. So this man asked me, is that true? I said, no. We have not agreed anything. And if you are going to do it, I'm not part of it. Just go on. The revival choir had come in front there, was singing revival songs, all based on uh, the fundamental basic salvation message, how to be born again. So they started kind of rebelling. They started, they wanted to start a song or do something. And that is one of the days that I still remember very well. They wanted to sing. Some were very good singers. They knew about you know, music, but they could not sing. They started to start, they wanted to start anything, they could not start. And they started looking at each other, saying, what's happening? They, they started fighting against each other. Hey, hey, hey. No, let me try. He tries, he can't do anything. And everyone was there, just watching. So eventually, the, the chairman there stood and said, you people, you have really done us a disgrace. You have disappointed us. And we did not call you here. We called Sami, and of course, you said you have agreed. He said no, but now look at it. You have wasted our time. Funny enough, they are all seated in front. I, I am there. Then eventually said, Sami, come over. So I walked uh, boldly and I, I took the procession, I took the Bible. And as I was talking to the people, I was not so much talking to the people, but talking to these Pharisees. But one thing that surprised me is why 
why have they not been able to do anything? It's one, because they were fearful of him. They knew the, the witch doctor. And maybe his spirit could not allow them to do anything. But that was a good time for preaching the gospel. It was a very good moment for people to listen to the true gospel. So, um, about three weeks, I mean three months, after staying in the village, my mom was still going to Presbyterian, and she, she could not understand why I would not go there. She used to sit down with me and ask me, my son, I know you. I know you're not crazy. And if you are really preaching the true word of God, why don't we go there? You stand there in front of those people and you talk. Why, why are you, you know, having some group here of, you know, different people? You are taking them out of the other churches. Don't you think what you are doing is not good? But I'll tell her, ma'am, with all due respect, I cannot go and stand there. Those people, they are led by some constitution. And they've got their own leaders. And what I'm talking about is the true gospel. But I can end up talking to all those people one by one. I don't have to go there in a congregation. So my mom was like divided into two. He wanted, he knew that the son is not crazy. And whatever he's speaking about, it sounds, that's true. But she's a leader there. She's well respected. How she cannot be understood. So one day, um, as we are talking to some people, witnessing to some people, she was seated there. She was doing some knitting. And the more she did this, she was listening. Day by day, because every day we are talking about this gospel. And all of a sudden, when she didn't expect it to happen, and she's doing some knitting, she burst in tongues. And I, I looked at it, yes. She shook her, her head. <laughs> and that was very convincing to my mom. And she knew, yes, it is true. I, I, I didn't expect that. And that's but she has been listening what it is, what God does. It sank into his heart, into her mind. I mean, to her mind and heart. So eventually, and then we took her to the waters of baptism. We baptized her. Now she's uh, 95, but very strong in faith and also in the body, just like Sami. Um, now, the son to this witch doctor had taken over from his father. And, but the wife uh, was a sister in the Lord. So that sister is still alive, but she had a very rough life. Quite often she would be beaten, chased from home, because that man did not want anything to do with us. And then, uh, during prayer, prayer time, or prayer line, the lady sometimes would come this way. She says, the neck is, you know, rigid. Uh, he was trying to break the neck, and now it cannot move. But then she says, you would imagine, it would tell her, you go never to come this place. But she would not go. She would come and seek for counseling and ask me, what do I do? But I said, always said to her, this is a struggle. This is a fight. And we have to win this victory. You can't run. This man, one day, our goal is that this man, one day, will know that there's God. And that he's, a fight, he's fighting against that God. So she would come, okay, during um, all this time she would come and say, I, my prayer, the prayer was not that she would be healed of anything. 
Her prayer was, if one day I see that man worshipping God in truth and spirit. So it took time. And there was a lot of uh, a torture in, in our life. But eventually, this man called us. And when he called us, we go there. And we arrived there, he said, one thing I would like to apologize uh, for all that I've done to my wife and the kind of fight that I've had to you people. But I have come to acknowledge I have come to declare beyond doubt that you are truly worshipping God. And I have called you here because I still have been a slave and I fear what was left with me by my dad. It's not something that I can get out of it. You, you tell me how I can do it. First, I wanted to give all what I have that you burn it and you... You pray with me, and you baptize me. You don't even have to preach the gospel to me. I know it already. Over that time, I know what it says. And so, we did it. And he received the Holy Spirit. We baptized him. We burned everything he had. And it's now over 30 years. He's a strong brother. So, and now, the third dad's brother to the witch doctor. He also had a son, the firstborn in that family. And the man had two wives. But the firstborn in that family was undergoing the same thing. He was destined, destined to be a witch doctor. But he didn't want that. Because he went to school, and he was working in Mombasa as well. And he had gone to uh, the Pentecostal churches, they had prayed over him, sometimes hitting him with a Bible. <laughs> In the name. <laughs> you know, they had done all sorts of things. But he could not sleep. He would wake up in the night and run. Sometimes he would run against the window, against the wall. So he had a lot of scars everywhere. And the wife had to be awake with him watching him. So this time, he heard about a revival in the village. And he came home. Then he visited. He came to where I was. He was just my neighbor. And he told me, you know what, Sami? I've heard from all the way from Mombasa, and I, I wanted to come and witness. And people are talking bad things against you, what you're doing. But as I listened, I've been telling them that that is the true gospel. So, uh, but then he was saying, I'm saved. So we sat down with him. We went through the scripture. And he told me about all this story, the Bible. Sometimes he was told to sleep with the Bible in his pillow. And sometimes he would be bitten and it would be laid in his, on his head. Some, sometimes he would cast it out the devil in the name of Jesus or that kind of stuff. But nothing happened. So he said, I've really lived a life that... Um, it is terrifying, fearful. Then I said to him, God can deliver you. But he didn't want to come straight because he had been uh, handled in many ways. So he thought, maybe it's, it's going to, not going to work. So I said, welcome. Come to our meeting on Sunday, just as our brother here did today. So he came. He just wanted to observe. When he came, he sat down. And he went up to the end of it, but he didn't want to do anything. Then there were, there were two ladies who wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. And I, I went and counseled them, and I started praying with them. He was just sitting there observing. So I was, as I was praying with these two ladies, we went on praying and seeking, and all of a sudden, that man just fell. And he started making a noise of um, <laughs> of a big cow with his tongue out. And after that, a lot of puffs coming out. And he was there. So I had to leave the two ladies and go to him. Everyone stood up. And because it had taken months, 
the, the household didn't know what to do. They said, oh, oh, he's going to die here. What's going to happen? So I went to him, and I tried to calm him down. And, but then, you would uh, hear exactly the way you, you, you know an oxen, the way they would make noise, big noise. Then <laughs> I, I calmed him down, and I said to him, what was that? He said, mm, that is my life. It comes to me. And all the time it happens, that is what happens. That's why I was afraid. I knew somehow it would happen. Then I said to him, okay. Now I want you to say hallelujah. Just say hallelujah. And we pray. So the moment we started, instead of saying hallelujah, he went back there. I remember that day we really prayed until I almost lost my voice. And eventually, um, he was able to say hallelujah. And then out came a very good, brand new language. And the man was charming, you know, was very happy, very much moved. And he said, you know what? This is true. It has never happened to me. And I know all through, this is the day that I'm relieved. So he went home and told his wife and said to the wife, uh, the kind of life you have been leading, guarding upon me in the night, it will never happen. And if it happens, then there's no God. But I know it will never happen. Today, I have received the Holy Spirit. He went to the bush to try to see whether he's going to speak in that. In, uh, <laughs> so he went there and on his own, he started praying again. He was praying in tongues. So the following Sunday, he came with his clothes, we baptized him. A time came when the wife, now the parents were saying, the woman was barren. So they had some dominion over the son. And they said, she cannot stay there. So if children, if women don't bear children, they are chased. So she had to be chased from the family. So I remember we went for her and we talked with the husband and we took her back. And we said we are going to pray to God. It shouldn't happen that way. And we went into prayer and fast. And eventually, um, the woman conceived. And then she had a son. And the name of her son is Victor. Now she has five children. And that really changed everything. That brother has got a strong, strong testimony of how God delivered him. Now, maybe a break so that you don't sleep. Uh, I would like us to turn to Acts. Lynn, Sister Lynn, you are, you are being tempted a little bit, isn't it? You, f- you are feeling like temp- being tempted to sleep, isn't it? <laughs> oh, good. You are reminding me of the water. Um, Where are you? So in Acts chapter 16, this is a story you know very well. And as Sister Lynn was giving her testimony about the rain and the pumps being left there, uh, I was contemplating on what else could you do? We didn't expect there would be rains. 
Um, yeah, let's turn to Acts chapter 16. You know, with the miracles, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. But uh, as we see, the way the world is doing, instead of miracles following, they follow the miracles. And it is not for us to call for miracles. It is not for us to seek for miracles, but miracles will follow us when we heed to the word of God. It will happen when we are not expecting. It will happen because God has got to confirm his word. So, the rains will come. The rains will fill the dams, even when we are not expecting. Even when the, the pumps are there. That is how God acts, you know. But it's not a point where we prepare ourselves. Sometimes you wonder when you see in the television big miracles happening and they have been uh, captured by television and it's, it's kind of a, uh, something that has been set and prepared beforehand so that people can see. How did you know that that would happen? that you can have, you can call a man to capture, you know. It happens when you don't know, when you're not expecting. And then when it happens, how do you call somebody to come and capture it? You know, that's how God receives glory. So when miracles happen, it is to the glory of God, not to our glory. And that is where our testimony is. So I would like us to turn to this particular example here. Uh, in verse 23 it says and when they had laid many stripes upon them they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Do you ever imagine or suppose that Paul and Silas knew what would happen? Did they know that something is going to happen? No. What they were doing, they were doing something genuine, just praising the Lord. But sometimes when you look at the circumstances, you might not be able to praise the Lord you might not even be able to say anything or even lift your head. Sometimes you can just die or say, oh, I cannot do anything. Imagine in a, in a Roman prison guarded by many, uh, many soldiers there and the gates, the way they were strong, they would have given hope not to do anything. But yet here they are Praising the Lord and singing. Not singing, not praising the Lord so that the, the, the gates would be broken. No. Just praising the Lord for God to receive glory. Whether they die or whatever happens, they don't mind. doesn't matter. But just praising the Lord. It is at that moment when God strikes. But when you look at your circumstances, where you are, what people are doing, Sometimes you think, I'm not able. Sometimes you think, oh, I wish I was born this way. I wish I was like that. Then you are limited. Maybe you cannot do anything. But Silas and Paul, or Paul and Silas, with the rest of the prisoners there, just watching them, they stood their ground. They sang. They praised their God. And God saw it. And God heard it. And he confirmed, these are my people. In that prison, I can free them. And I'm going to free them. And he did it. So in verse 20, um, 26, 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and he would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. So the big question is, what was the end result? What was the end result? That is very important. Uh, Was the end result glory to Paul or Silas? Did they capitalize on how much they have sung? How much uh, the miracle was? It was not so much about that. First 30. Something happens. Says, and, yeah, verse 29. And then he called for light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Who is this? The keeper of the prison. He witnessed, he saw it. And he was about to kill himself because there was no hope. He knew his life is in danger. He would never be spared. When he looked at it, he knew that's, that's the end of me. But Paul perhaps had calmed down all the other prisoners. They should not go anywhere. And maybe they were terrified because of what's ha- what has happened. Singing, singing, then all of a sudden, psh, doors open. And they're watching I mean, looking at him as if he's a ghost. You know, everyone's surprised. Then all of a sudden, that man comes and says, oh, he sees, oh, my life is in danger. He takes a sword, he wants to kill himself. Then Paul tells him, no, don't do that. We are all here. And then all of a sudden, he jumps to them on their feet, I mean, down their feet and says, man, what shall I do to be? Saved. That is the question. That was the question. It is still is the question to many people. But when they ask that, what happens? Because this man knew that salvation is available. So he says, verse 34, And when he had brought them into his house, no, sorry, verse 30, yeah, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and those shall be saved in their house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same, the same hour of the night, the same hour of the night, yes, and washed their stripes, and he was baptized. He and all his house, straight away. So that is the end result. Some souls were saved. That is what matters. Everything else is culminating to that. And the glory goes to God because a soul is saved. So in many things that are happening, we look at uh, what will be the result? What will be the end? We want somebody, a soul, to be saved. So the story I've told you about this family is that all the time we are praying and our prayer was this family that God would deliver them. They would be baptized. And you know what? When we burned everything about this uh, hold, uh, which, which doctor? His family and his, uh, most of his family came to the Lord because they had been threatened they had been in captivity for all that time. They could not do what they thought was right. And I remember when burning all these things, I would take a piece of cloth, and they were fearing that it's for the devil. But I said, no, this is a piece of cloth. I said, take that one. Something else, this is good, take that one. It will not be harmful to you in any way. So eventually... Everything was finished. Without 
any drama. Some sisters were asking me about how, how do we go about these things? You know, and before I came here, I was in Dar es Salaam in, in Tanzania, and we had been called there by some, pre, some, uh, some man who has been, you know, has, has gone through theological college, and they called many others. They want to join the Revival Fellowship. But when we go to them, they find it very funny when we don't cast devils and demons. And they know they are there. But Jesus, the way he said about it, and the disciples, the way they did about it, it's not a drama. It's not what the other, the Pentecostal people are doing. That uh, sometimes they fold their sleeves. Now you're going to see the devil is going to, in the name of Jesus, then they make kind of a drama to impress people. It is just by the word, the word of God. Let it happen, and it happens. This is the power that God has given us to deliver us, to set us free. It is by faith. Faith through his word. Amen? Maybe you can read one scripture. <laughs> if you allow me. Um, shall we turn to Second Corinthians? Uh, sometimes I was in Liberia and I was talking to Pastor Steve and Pastor Bob. They had listened to some stories there. And then they, they said, oh, these people, it is good to discourage them about talking about the devil and, you know, demon possessed and all that kind of thing. Then I said to them, yes. It's good to teach them. We are here to teach them. But it is so much in their lives that uh, it is real. It has happened. They are tormented by some evil spirits and for some familiar, strange spirits. And to, for them to be delivered, it's about the word of God. So we went to uh, the ocean to baptize a group of people. And we were with their leaders. Then, as we baptized them, uh, they took them to pray with them for the spirit. Then there was one lady who was a little bit, um, her weight would have been that of Lynn. Uh, Lynn or, yeah, or me. I know I'm much heavier than you. <laughs> but I'm trying to compare all the other ladies. She was strong, you know, heavily built. And she had been baptized. Then we were standing somewhere aside with Pastor Steve and Pastor Bob. And we were praying over them. Then that lady, uh, something happened. She jumped this way. Over and over and over and over. Then she fell down. And they were there. They looked at it. They said, oh, what is that? It's unbelievable. Because practically, she cannot do that. <laughs> and now the men... Because they had been used to such things and making a drama, oh, in the name of Jesus, they get quiet, you know, until they get tired and they leave it. Maybe they use the Bible. <laughs> so they watched, and she was lying there. So uh, I took some steps, and I went there. I went to her, and I... I had some. I, I, I did some. I stroked her a little bit. Yes, she opened her eyes and said, "What happened?" She said, uh, "That has been happening in my life. 
all of a sudden a strong kind of power comes and it moves me and I do things that I don't know beyond my capability. Sometimes it can drive me into fire or water and I'll be living that kind of life. Then I said, okay, I want us to pray. I just say hallelujah. So we prayed with her and as we prayed with her, it came to a point where she received the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. And she, she said, I've never felt that in my life. And I, I know that I'm free. It has been a real torture in my life. So it is not about our power. It is about his power. He has given us this power. So I went back to Pastor Steve and Pastor Bob. And I said to them, now, I was telling you, did you see that? I said, yes, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it happens. And people have been bound. People are in, in great captivity of many things. Some superstition, others uh, cultural, but they have to be delivered. To be delivered. It's about separation. It's about knowing the true word of God and how to do it. It is not about us. It is about him. Amen? Amen. So 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> um, he says, without reading much of this, he says, if I could... Uh, this is talking about the Old Testament and as much as we talk about the Old Testament, it talks about also our old life. What we used to know, uh, how we are brought up, uh, what kind of things we are brought up in and what we believed. All that has got to come to an end and that's when we are renewed. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Separation is very expensive, yet it gives us everything. If you are ready to leave all and embrace what you have received. It says here, verse 14, But their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil and taken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it, sh when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, we all, with often open faces beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? So, <clears throat> it's something that, uh, it doesn't happen uh, all of a sudden. It's something that you don't say, okay, wait, let us see how it is going to happen. It is something that, is, that happens through faith when we fulfill God's righteousness. When we do what God has said, and he has asked us to do through his word. It just follows that our lives are changed. We enter into liberty. And this liberty is that we are freed from worry, fear, and every other circumstances that would bound us. So when there's no rain, we don't, we don't worry. We know something's going to happen. When we are in prison, we know something's going to happen. We don't know what it is. But God then comes, he does something that we didn't even expect. This is about miracles. So that's how God works. And we are there that, uh, to convince our neighbors, to convince the people in Australia 
that when they think it cannot happen and when they are ridiculing us, the way we are steadfast, we are always you know, alert and we know that we believe in a God who is alive, one day something happens to them and they turn to us and they say, what about that God of yours? Then you come there, it happens. They say, that's it, I believe there's God. Amen? Amen. Can I go more and more? <laughs>